Hello there, and welcome to this episode of the Northern Grower Podcast. I'm here podcasting from Zone 3, and I am welcoming all of our fellow Northern Growers, Zone 3 Growers, Cold Climate Growers, and also growers from anywhere across the world, new or seasoned alike. This is just a place for me to share tips, tricks, and things we have learned, things we have worked for that have worked for us here on our uh, small seed farm in northern Alberta. Um, so thank you for joining me in this gardening space. However, today I'm going to delve into a new mini-series. So I just finished a mini-series on some gardening essentials in the previous episodes. So things that I deem to be really essential um, crops to grow here, uh, particularly if you are going for food, if you're going for homesteading, anything like that, and the tips and tricks that work for us for growing those here. Um, but my new mini-series is going to be where I get to delve into my anthropological side of my being for a short while, because I'm going to start exploring the history, folklore, and cultural uses of common plants. And I'm quite excited about this. It's something that's been brewing in the back of my mind for a while. But I, well, I'm an anthropologist as well by nature, so I just love the uh, cultural and story aspect of plants, herbs, vegetables, anything like that, and how we as a society have cultivated and used them over the years. So I'm very excited to share what I find with you. And it's also fun for me to get to go and do lots of reading and research about this as well. Uh, let's start with before we get too into the episode, what am I drinking here for this episode? I am just drinking a cup of coffee. Um, so I do have quite a coffee habit. We I get up at 5am for work. I know lots of other people get up early too. But we just also have long days here and sometimes, well, quite a lot. I probably get not enough sleep. I am probably getting about six hours sleep a night. Plus, having tiny humans at home, uh, they don't always sleep through the night. So I have quite a coffee habit. Um, I am, Part of me is trying to break the coffee habit because I think there are much more, I've been reading about much more environmentally and sustainable um, caffeinated drinks that or high energy drinks that I could be drinking. And one of those is chaga. I've been researching chaga, which I think is like a mushroom based version of coffee. I've also heard uh, dandelion coffee, grinding dandelion roots into coffee is uh, supposed to, well, it's supposed to taste like coffee and kind of have that same effect. So this year, if I can, I'd actually love to either start cultivating my own mushrooms to make uh, like a chaga coffee or make a dandelion coffee and start digging up some dandelions by the roots. But as always, it's on one of those lists of projects that I hope to get to. I don't know if I will get there this year. And I also have no idea where to start with mushroom cultivation, which is what I've been also interested in for a while. So we'll see how that goes. But if anyone ever has any tips or good sources of information on 
any of those, feel free to share them with me. That would be fantastic. I will leave um, contact information at the end of the episode. So today, I'm going to be talking about lavender. And this is a big one for me. Um, It's one of my all-time favorite herbs to grow. I just think it looks and smells beautiful. Plus, um, as a bit of a bee fanatic, bees love lavender too. So it is just so fantastic to grow and cultivate in your yard. And the plant itself is just steeped in history. I couldn't really go into all of the history I wanted to today. Um, But it really has been a plant that has stood the test of time since it has been cultivated for human use. It has just been used um, for, for centuries and it is still a really popular plant today, and it also has many, many uses. So there are many different varieties of lavender. I think I read there were 47 in total, and I'm going to be focusing mostly on the common or English lavender. Although it is called English lavender, it is not actually um, native to England, but the Mediterranean. So lavender Um, is originally from the kind of drier, rockier slopes of the Mediterranean. And it is typically a plant that does enjoy nice hot summers and then cooler, uh, milder winters, which we get the summer end here in Zone 2. We do have pretty good hot, uh, sunny summers, Um, but the winters can be (laughs) challenging for us and particularly challenging for lavender cultivators. But there are ways to do it. So lavender originated in the Mediterranean and it spread throughout Europe and eventually into the Americas. Today it is still valued for its many uses. So as well as being a beautiful ornamental plant, it is also commonly used in oils. So lavender essential oil is still very uh, regularly used and popular and it's used to relax muscles and produce a calming scent, and it is also um, still believed to help induce sleep as well. So to help somebody if you're having sleep issues, to help you feel relaxed and promote um, sleep. However, just as a disclaimer, I'm not uh, I'm not actually skilled in using or distilling essential oils. I do believe you'd have to um, use a carrier oil because essential oils can be quite strong. So if you're applying it anywhere or um, you do have to mix it with a carrier oil Um, and I'm not too sure I would say that I wouldn't start using essential oils unless you get into contact with somebody who knows what they're doing with essential oils and knows the safe and appropriate uses of it so I'm not going to get too much into um, how to use uh, lavender essential oils today but it is mostly and commonly used as an oil And it is also used for its fragrance, such as in uh, potpourri. Um, We also, around our house, particularly in the closets, I do hang um, bags of dried lavender uh, just as a nice scent. It also has culinary uses. So it's frequently used in teas and to aid in relaxation and bring on sleep again, as well as a cooking herb. Which, interestingly, I found that adding lavender as a cooking herb in the there's a mixture of herbs commonly known as herbs de provence 
sorry if I'm buttering um, like French terminology and it's also a Latin word in here too. So I will try my best to pronounce them correctly. Um, so Herbes de Provence was, um, so adding lavender into that mix is actually a North American thing, which was then in turn spread around the world. So originally those group of herbs that were used in cooking uh, that originated from France did not originally have lavender in, but here in North America, people started adding lavender into that mix. And then um, that's how it got started being commonly used as a cooking herb. So the use of it as a cooking herb did seem to start in North America and then make its way around the world. I myself actually really enjoy a lavender London fog. There, I cannot make a lavender London fog. I'm not good at making uh, London fogs, but I do really enjoy lavender teas. And um, there is a really nice cafe. I have not been in a whole year though, but there was a really nice cafe um, in the city that where I live that did a lavender London fog and it was just so good. And I do also, like I said, use lavender as a potpourri scent in my closets because it is supposed to keep moths away. And it also just makes them smell nice when you open your closet doors. I also make lavender sugar. So I do enjoy uh, making sugar cookies in the summer. And I make, I really enjoy making um, lightly floral uh, flavored sugar cookies. So as well as lavender sugar, I also have a jar of lilac sugar as well. So I do use it in a sugar to make lavender um, flavored sugar cookies, which is a really lovely summer treat. And freezing the dough actually um, works really well if you make a batches of the sugar cookie dough because you get to enjoy the flavor throughout the winter months as well. So it's like a taste of spring in winter, which is awesome. Lavender does do well in pots, so if you are cultivating lavender, it can be bought inside. You could keep it in a pot outside in the summer, and then it will do well being bought inside as part of your kitchen herb garden to be used throughout the year. So not only can you use like the buds, the flowers in cooking, but you can also cut the leaves. And the leaves almost have like, it's in the same family as rosemary. So the leaves almost, if you use them in cooking and you cut them up, they give food that that almost minty rosemary um, flavor to them as well. Lavender as well, you can also pick it, you can cut the stems, and it can be dried, then weaved into wreaths or braided. So it can be weaved into um, braids or into wreaths. So in folklore, let's just dive into the folklore aspect of lavender a little bit. Uh, I did find that hanging sprigs of dried lavender above your door is supposed to help keep evil spirits away. So I couldn't find any origins for this, but just generally around in folklore, hanging sprigs of dried lavender above your door is supposed to help keep evil spirits away. And then I delved a little bit into the witch uh, world and aspect of things and it kind of ties in with keeping evil spirits away. Lavender would be uh, is frequently braided into wands and it can be burned to banish evil spirits or it can be used in rituals to aid infertility. So again even in the uh, world of witchcraft uh, 
lavender is being braided into what's called wands and it can be burned to banish evil spirits or used in rituals to aid in fertility. It has, it has been founded to have antiseptic properties. I did see that it does have antiseptic properties. So it does make sense that, for me, it kind of makes sense that it was used to ward off evil spirits when you think of um, how illness was seen in the past. A lot of illness was, uh, a lot of illness was thought to be caused by um, things like the evil eye and evil spirits. So it would make sense that it was used so often and burned in sick rooms as well as an antiseptic um, because to treat uh, the germs essentially because uh, people kind of thought, oh, evil spirits and the evil eye cause illness. So it, it kind of made logical sense for me that that is why hanging it above doors or burning it uh, would have been thought to have worked in warding off um, evil spirits. Um, so lavender in the past was used medicinally, uh, probably a lot more than we use it medicinally today. Uh, some of the earliest uses of lavender that are on record date back to the Roman times. Um, I found the Romans used to bathe in the stuff for a pleasant, scented, relaxing bath. And they would also bathe their clothes in lavender scented water. So, you know, even the same uses we commonly have today, the Romans would use lavender in bathing uh, just to have a calming, relaxing and sweet smelling bath. And I think a lot of us still do that today. Lavender is still very much used in um, bath bombs, bath salts, uh, anywhere that we want to relax. A lot of those uh, tools and things we use are lavender scented. And the name comes from the Latin word lavar. So the Latin word uh, lavar means to wash. And so the plant got the name lavender from that Latin word because not only did the Romans bathe in it, but later on, um, even into the Middle Ages, uh, washerwomen in Europe who typically would do like washing and laundry used lavender in their washing to make the clothes smell nice. So they were known as lavenders. It's easy to see um, why the popularity of the plant spread throughout Europe, Asia, and eventually into the Americas, because it looks beautiful, it smells delightful, and its many uses just make it a reliable and essential plant. Not just, I think, for modern day gardeners, but uh, in the past, herbalists and physicians frequently used the use the plant and then later it also became a favorite of gardeners but very early on traditionally it was used more I think as a tool rather than just a decorative plant so we have the Romans and washerwomen using it and then even in England as early as the 12th century in physicians texts you can see uh, there are references to lavender um, but it's being used uh, for medicinal purposes at that point. And it's also started to become cultivated in England um, from the 1500s. So a few centuries later, it actually started becoming uh, massively cultivated. And English lavender oil was said to be the sweetest smelling of them all. And it could actually fetch quite a high price in the lavender oil market. 
higher than its European counterparts. So lavender oil, particularly English lavender oil, was very much sought after. And it was a few centuries later that the plant would also be recognized for its uses as a decorative and border plant in gardens. So it started off being used uh, purely for functional purposes and later uh, in the 1700s, it started to become also just recognized as a very useful decorative plant in gardens. Of course, it was eventually brought over to the Americas by settlers and most notably the first commercial grower of lavender was a man named Wyckoff, I think Wyckoff, Wyckoff, I'm not sure how you say his name. He cultivated the plant for commercial use as early as 1924 in the Pacific Northwest. That was the earliest, um, that's some of the earliest dates I could start to see lavender really um, being seen and being uh, heavily cultivated and used in the United States. So as early as 1924, it was starting to be grown commercially in the Pacific Northwest. The plant is also cultivated today throughout Canada, although I couldn't find out any, it was hard to find out any specifics about um, dates or, you know, pinpoints where it was actually introduced into Canada. I'm sure lots of it just, you know, kind of peppered its way in here through uh, settlers, through immigration, through people coming back up from the States. Um, but it uh, it has made its way into Canada as a cultivar. It does particularly well on the coastal regions, such as Nova Scotia and Vancouver Island. However, growing can be done here in Zone 3. Um, the English varieties of lavender are the hardest, the hardiest. They do prefer a warmer microclimate. So in your garden or growing area, you, you would want to plant this in your warmer microclimates. And... Um, it does need ample cover and protection to get the roots through winter. So that root system does need to survive winter. Um, so the first few times we cultivated lavender, they did not work because I was like, why? I didn't do my research and I just assumed it would come back, but it didn't survive the winter. So we do cover it or cultivate it in pots and bring it indoors. Um, and But it can also, it does work well here. In zone three, particularly here in Alberta, it can be grown as an annual. Uh, lavender farms are popping up, popping up here in Alberta and throughout Canada. So it is starting to become quite well cultivated. And even here, um, I didn't find any lavender farms specifically in northern Alberta. If there are any, let me know. Southern Alberta, I did find some lavender farms. Their climate is a little bit warmer. Um but it is very much possible to grow and enjoy lavender here. I think, uh, but I think part of uh, seeing, you know, lavender farms in particular popping up, uh, you know, even with the resurgence in things like sunflower farms, I think a huge part of uh, that is Instagram trends. Um, it's kind of becoming, you know, like the social media Instagrammable thing to, pay to go to these farms and take selfies in the fields for these beautiful looking photos and put them on your social media, which I think is great. If farmers can um, diversify and use their farms in photography, I think that is awesome. And I think also part of that is a resurgence in simple living. People, you know, the simple living movement is growing and I think people 
really appreciate the beauty of just having fresh cut flowers, fresh herbs in their homes, um, and just enjoying the simple things like a field of lavender. So I think that is really good for us, especially here in Zone 3, um, to see more uh, lavender cultivation popping up and the availability of lavender popping up. Um, so that is all I have time for today. I kind of flew through the history and folklore of lavender. It's got a lot going on um, and I kind of pinpointed and picked out my favorite and most essential uh, things to know about it. But that is all I have time for on the episode today. So thank you so much for listening. If you do want to get in touch or you can do so by emailing the northern grower podcast at gmail.com you can also follow us on instagram at green.witch.seed.co and uh thank you again for listening and joining us here i hope you enjoyed the episode i understand and recognize that it was a very quick um overview of the history of lavender and of course the history and origins of this plant are way more complex than I had time to go into today. But if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to get in touch. Thank you and take care.